Good morning. It's uh, really great uh, to be here with you, and uh, Leonard, I, I really appreciate so much that you've allowed me to fill your pulpit uh, this morning. Uh, Leonard has been has been so good. I, I, I really consider Leonard a, a good friend. And I think for the past three or four years, when my family and I, when we come up to visit relatives, uh, Leonard's allowed me to uh, to speak to you. So I, I really appreciate that. I do have my wife, uh, Diana, with me. She's kind of there towards the back. And so if you get a chance, you might say hi to her. Uh, she also has... Uh, quite a lot. Actually, she has more relatives, really, than I do in this area. She's originally from the Salem area. So, so it's really good uh, to be back here with you. And uh, Brian, the uh, praise and worship team sounds really good. You guys do a great job. Great job. Uh, the title of the message that I want to share with you, as you can see on the screen, is How Bright Is Your Light? And it is based on the passage that probably many of you have read before. It's from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. If you would like to turn to that, please uh, feel welcome to do so. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to stand one more time. I'm going to read the passage and then I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Matthew chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus. And he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, it is uh, so good that we can close out uh, this, this year of, of 2019 that we can close it out uh, together here in your house as we worship together and as we study from your word. Uh, Father, we humbly ask and pray that as we look into your word this morning, that with the help of your Holy Spirit, that you will make your word uh, alive and dynamic to us, that your word would lead us and guide us in the truth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'm guessing that probably it has. Have you ever been at home at night when a severe thunderstorm hits and all the electricity goes out in your house and your house, your home is plunged into darkness. Now probably that's happened to you. Uh, that's happened to me on several occasions. And probably most of us do the same thing when that 
happens. Probably what you do, and this is what I usually do, the first thing you do is you try to locate in your house a flashlight. You know, maybe it's in a drawer, maybe it's in a closet, and you kind of fumble through the darkness until you locate the flashlight. Once you find the flashlight, then what do you do? Well, you try to find usually maybe candles, perhaps. And you light the candles and you strategically place them in various rooms and various areas so that you have some temporary light until the electricity comes back on. Now, maybe this has happened to you, and this has happened to me on more than one occasion. You know, I don't use my flashlight a whole lot, and so sometimes it will sit for maybe even months, maybe even longer, in a drawer or a closet, and when I would go to get my flashlight and go to turn it on, I would discover that the batteries were dead. You know, no light at all is coming out of the flashlight, and I really need the flashlight. Or, sometimes, this has happened to me also, sometimes I'll go and I'll turn the flashlight on, and the batteries are not dead, but the batteries are so weak, you know, that hardly any light emanates from the flashlight. And so, there's a little bit of light, but it really doesn't do me much good at all. Maybe that's happened to you. Well, the passage that we read, Jesus tells us, he says, that we are to be the light of the world. There in verse 14. Jesus wants us to let our light shine as Christians brightly for him. Now, why? Why would he say that? Why is that so important? Well, probably, and we don't really have to think too long or too hard about this, you know, we live in a world that is filled with darkness. I mean, really, there is darkness pretty much everywhere, it seems. You know, I was watching the news last night, and it's really depressing to watch the news. Uh, there was a, a terrorism uh, report that I uh, listened to. Uh, I, I heard on the news about a, a, a young woman, a mother who was missing. And just on and on and on. There was so much darkness in the news. There is so much crime. There is so much sin. There is so much anger. There is so much hate. There is so much hopelessness. There is so much despair in the world today. There is so much darkness. And so Jesus says that we need to be the light that shines in the darkness but I'm afraid that so often we as Christians are kind of like the flashlight that even though Jesus says we're to be the light of the world, I'm afraid that so often our batteries are dead or our batteries are so weak that hardly any light comes from us. And how sad that is. You know, Jesus wants us to let our light shine brightly for him. Now, in the passage here in Matthew chapter 5, as I was 
studying it, it seemed to me that there were mainly three things that happen, three effects that happen when we as Christians let our light shine brightly for Jesus. The first one that I see from verse 14 is this. When we let our light shine brightly for Jesus, we stand out as Christians in a very dark world. When we let our light shine brightly for Jesus, the world notices. Now let me read verse 14 again. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus does not want us to hide our light. You know, you and I, if you're a Christian, we should not be ashamed to let people know that we belong to Jesus. But I think sometimes we are. Sometimes we act like, like we're ashamed or, or, or it's, it's this big secret, you know. And we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to upset anybody. But Jesus wants us to let our light shine for him. Uh, I want to read another passage to you. This is from the Gospel of John chapter 5. Jesus is speaking in this passage and he's talking about John the Baptist and how John the Baptist let his light shine for Christ. Let, let me read this to you. It's not very long. It's John chapter 5. It's verses 33 through 35. Jesus says this. He says, You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. Now listen to verse 35. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. You see, John the Baptist was not ashamed to let his light shine for Christ. He prepared the way even for Jesus, the Bible tells us. And if you studied the Gospels, you know that John the Baptist let his light shine so brightly for Jesus that it even cost him his life. He died because he was willing to let his light shine for Jesus. You know, we as Christians, we need to let our light shine for him. You know, if you were to go to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you read in the first three chapters that the book of Revelation was written originally to seven churches. Those seven churches are described as being seven golden lampstands. Do some of you remember that? It talks about these churches being lampstands. Now why, why would the Bible, why would Revelation, John who, who wrote uh, the book of Revelation, why would he use that comparison? I, I think it's simply because as a church we need to let our light shine. And when we let our light shine collectively, and by that I mean when all of us let our light shine, it is impressive to the world. 
and the world will sit up and take notice. You know, so often in our churches, you know, we might have one or two or three or maybe four people that are letting their light shine, and that's good, and that's important. But it's even more impressive when all of us let our light shine for Christ. Now, the church where I serve as associate minister is called Spring Hill Church of Christ. It's in Middletown, Ohio, which is close to Cincinnati. And we just recently had a Christmas Eve candlelight service. Now, where our church is located, like I said, it's, our church is called Spring Hill because we are up on a hill and there's a spring underneath our hill. We have a lot of problems at times with uh, dampness in, in the ground because of the spring that is, is underneath us. But there is a fairly long driveway that leads from the street up to our parking lot and up to our church building. Well, usually what we do, and we, and we did this just this past week when we have a Christmas Eve candlelight service, one of the things that we do is we line our driveway with candles on both sides of the driveway going all the way up to our parking lot. And we, again, we have a fairly long driveway. And at nighttime, right before we have our service, it's dark out, it is really pretty to see all these candles lining the driveway up to our parking lot and to our church. And, and it's nothing really all that super fancy. We just take, we take milk cartons, we cut the tops out of the milk cartons, we put sand down in the bottom of the milk carton, and we stick a candle down in there, and we light the candles. But there's all these candles, and it, it really is beautiful, and it really is impressive. Well, you know, I got to thinking about that when I was working on this sermon message, and I got to thinking... You know, that, that is so pretty, but what if, what if instead of having all these candles lining the driveway, what if we only had maybe one candle? Or, or maybe two candles. Let's say two candles. You know, one on one side of the driveway, one on the other side of the driveway, and that was it. Now that would still be nice, but chances are, I'm thinking, because again, it's a long driveway, chances are people probably wouldn't even notice if we just had one or two candles burning. But we've got all these candles burning and so you notice it. And it's really impressive and it's really beautiful. And the point is, as Christians, when we as a church, when all of us let our lights shine for Jesus the world is going to sit up and take notice of that. But we all need to let our light shine. Now there's many, many ways that we can do that. That we can let our light shine for Christ. And we could talk probably, we could probably talk for hours about all the different ways that we can let our light shine shine. But let me just share with you just one way, just, just one way that I have discovered is a really great way that you can very simply let your light shine for Christ and let your light shine for your church here in Salem, Ohio, 
it's very easy. It's very simple. All it is that you need to do is to invite someone to church. It's that easy. It's that simple. You know, and, and all of us know someone. Actually, probably most of us know many people that we could invite to come to church. It might be a co-worker. It might be someone that you go to school with. It might be someone on the ball team uh, that you are on. It might be your next door neighbor. There's so many people and families that we could invite. And you know, you don't have to get into a long discussion. You don't have to read a lot of scripture, talk a lot of theology. Now, if you want to do that, that's, that's okay. But if you want to leave that up to Leonard, because he's kind of the expert on that. But you got to get the people, get them here so they can hear the message, so they can hear Leonard preach the word. Just simply invite someone. And here's something that my wife, Diana, and I, here's something that we have discovered, and we started doing this, and it seems to work pretty well, and that is, well, let me ask you this before I tell you. How many of you... In the past week, how many of you have been to a restaurant? How many of you? Raise, raise your hands. Okay, just about everybody. Just about everybody goes to restaurants. My wife and I, we've discovered that that is a great place to meet people and to invite them to church. Especially the waiter or the waitress, you know, because you, they're taking care of you. And Diana and I, we, you know, we try to kind of strike up a conversation with them and, and get to know them a little bit. And we've discovered that's a great time to invite people to church. And usually what I have at our church, we have some little cards that has the name of our church and the address and the times of the services. And a lot of times uh, when we're finished eating and we... And and the, the waiter or waitress brings us the bill, you know, and by then we've kind of, we've kind of built a, a little bit of a relationship with the waiter or the waitress and they, they give me the bill and then usually I'll say, you know, we're, we're from the Spring Hill Church of Christ. If you don't care, I'd like to give you one of these cards. Really like to invite you to come, come and worship with us. And, and we found that that's been kind of an effective way to invite people to church. I mean, there, again, there's lots of ways that you can invite different people. But we discovered that. Now, I want to share with you, if you don't mind, I want to share with you something that happened recently that was just so uh, neat. <laughs> and it's something that I, I don't think I will soon forget. We had a church service on a Sunday night. It was a special service. Uh, our senior minister, he'd gone on a mission trip to Ireland and he was telling us about his mission trip and showing pictures, you know, of the trip and all of that. So he had this special Sunday night service. After the Sunday night service was over, we announced that if anybody wanted to come, we were going to go to Frisch's restaurant and get dessert and, you know, just kind of hang out there. And if anybody wanted to come, they could come. Well, we had a group of about 19 of us. Now, that wasn't everybody that was in the evening service, but it was a, it was a group of us, a fairly large group. And so we went to the Frisch's restaurant. Because it was kind of late on a Sunday night, and it was probably like between 7.30, 8 o'clock when we got there, 
it wasn't real crowded. And so they were able to put us all in this one area together in the restaurant and they put tables together. So this large group, you know, 19 people uh, from Spring Hill Church. And so we're there, we've ordered and we bowed our heads to pray before we ate. Now, I hope that when you go to a restaurant, even if it's a fast food restaurant, I hope that you bow your head and pray. Because that's a great way to let your light shine for Jesus. Now, I know that we're not supposed to make a show of our prayers. And we try not to do that. But I think it's a really good thing to do. Because I'm always hoping that there's somebody in the restaurant that is noticing that we are praying. And so, we got this group of 19 people. We all bow our heads. There was one man that was with us, Tim. And he led in prayer. And so, we all bowed our heads and we prayed. We got done praying. And it wasn't too long after that. There was a lady who was sitting on the other side of the restaurant. But she saw us. And she got up from her seat, from her table. And she came over. And she said, I just wanted to tell all of you how much that meant to me to see you bow your heads and pray. And so we had an opportunity to, to dialogue and, and to talk a little bit with her. But the really neat thing that happened was the waitress that we had. We had this young girl. I don't know how old she was. I would guess maybe she was in her early 20s. Her name was Bree. And she was an excellent waitress. You know, when you got a group of 19 people, that's not easy to take care of a group that big. Now, she did have some help, but she was kind of like the main waitress. And she was pleasant. She was friendly. She hustled. She worked hard. And just was a wonderful, wonderful girl. Now, we had never met her before, but she was so good. And I think we were all really impressed with Brie. And again, we, we, we sort of talked with her a little bit and, and kind of struck up a little bit of a rapport with her. When it came time for us to finally get our, our bills, you know, and there was lots of, lots of checks, you know, that she had to hand out to everybody. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak to her and I said, Brie, I said, you were a wonderful waitress. And she was. And I said, we really appreciate what a great waitress uh, you were, how hard you worked. And we are from the Spring Hill Church of Christ. And we, we'd like to invite you to come. Come to our church sometime. You know, whenever you can, come and visit with us. We would love to have you come. Now, she did something that I've, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of waiters and waitresses, but she did something that I've never had done before. You know, usually I have a card that I give to them, but I didn't have any of the cards with me for some reason. I just didn't have them. And so, when I invited her, what she did, and I've never had this happen before, she hands me the little order 
that she takes your order on. She hands it to me. She hands me the ink pen and she says, could you write down for me the name of your church and the address? So, so I said, sure. So I'm, so I'm writing down the name of the church. I wrote my name down, told her I'm the associate minister there. The phone number, the website, the times of the services, wrote all that down on this order pad. And I've never had that happen before. But, but she, again, she was such a great waitress. And then I said to her, and Diana and I, uh, we do this quite often. I said to her, I said, you know, I'd like to speak to your manager. Could you have your manager come over here? So the manager comes over. She comes over. And I said to the manager, I said, we're from the Spring Hill Church of Christ. And I just want you to know, Bree was a wonderful waitress. She really worked hard, really did a good job. And so we invited the manager also. We invited her to come to our church. Anyway, the next Sunday, I had the opportunity to preach. Now, when you're the associate minister, you don't get to preach very often. But it just so happened that I got to preach that next Sunday. During the sermon, I shared with the congregation this story that I'm telling you. Now, of course, 19 people of the congregation, you know, knew because they, they were there. But there were a lot of people that weren't there. And so they didn't know about all this. So I'm telling this story. What a wonderful waitress, you know, and so on and so forth. And then I said, I don't know if, if Bree will come or not. I, I hope so. And all of a sudden, in the back of the congregation, I see this hand go up. And this lady stands up. And guess who it was? It was Brie. She had come. And what was so neat, and I've never had this happen before in a sermon, when she stood up, spontaneous applause just broke out over the whole congregation. And when the church service was over, there was a whole bunch of people from our church that descended upon Bree and welcomed her. And, and Bree didn't even come alone. She came and she brought a friend and she brought a relative with her too. It was, it was just such, such a neat, neat experience uh, to have that happen. But one way that you can let your light shine, one very simple way that you can let your light shine is just simply by inviting someone to church. And you know, I've, I've read a lot of books, and I'm sure Leonard has too, on church growth. And there's a lot of things we can do to make our churches grow. But do you know what probably the main thing that we can do to grow our church is to invite people to come it's as simple as that. Statistics show that 75 to 80% of people who visit our churches visit because someone has invited them. So it's that easy. Just invite. Invite someone to come. That's one way that you can let your light shine for Christ. When we let our light shine for Christ, the world notices we stand out as Christians. Okay, let me go to number two. Now, I know, I know point number one was very long. The next two uh, points are much shorter, so 
So hang with me. Here's, here's number two. This is the second effect that happens when we let our light shine brightly for Jesus. We expose the darkness. When we let our light shine brightly for Christ. You know, what is, what is the primary purpose of light? I mean, really, what is the primary purpose? It is to dispel the darkness so that people can see. Uh, let me read to you a scripture. This is from uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, he's going to talk about darkness and he's going to talk about light. And he's going to talk about how light exposes the darkness. Now here's what he says. Ephesians 5 starting at verse 8. Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, Paul says that we were once in the darkness before we came to Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, no matter how good a Christian you might be, you were once, like me, you were once in the darkness until Christ brought you into the light. And so Paul says, we were once in darkness, but now we're in the light. But now we need to let our light shine because it exposes the darkness. I heard a minister many, many years ago, when I, back when I was in Bible college, a minister named Tim Coop, and he said this, and I've never forgotten it. He said, let your light shine where it shines the best. And that's in the darkness. Let your light shine where it shines the best. And that is in the darkness. And so, so what does all this mean? It means that we were once in the darkness, but now we're in the light. Now we need to try to lead other people who are lost and fumbling around in the darkness like we once were, we now need to try to lead them into the light of Jesus Christ. Okay, thirdly, and last of all, when we let our light shine brightly for Jesus, we bring honor and glory to God. Going back to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in verse 16. He said in the same way let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. When we let our light shine brightly for Jesus. 
people see Jesus living in us. And it brings honor and glory to God. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus said in that passage, he said, I am the light of the world. But in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that we are to be the light of the world. Now, when you first read that, it's like, okay, that seems like a contradiction because Jesus says he's the light of the world. But then on the Sermon on the Mount, he says that we are to be the light of the world. But I don't think there's any contradiction there at all. I think what Jesus is trying to say to us is that when Jesus left the throne of heaven and came to earth, you know, at Christmas time, we celebrate the, the coming of Jesus to earth. God came to earth in a flesh and blood body. You know, Emmanuel, you know, which means God with us. He was the original light when he walked here upon the earth. But then Jesus lived his life for about 33 years. He died on a cross for your sins and my sins. He returned to the Father in heaven. So he was the original light when he was here on the earth. But now he's gone back to the Father in heaven. Someday, someday he's coming back again. But while he is gone, now we are to be the light of the world. So, so he's passed the torch of the light off to us. And it's vitally important that we let our light shine for him. You know, it's kind of like if, if you've watched the Olympics, I'm sure all of us have. You know, in the Olympics, uh, if you've watched the opening ceremonies, which is usually really impressive, you know, you see a runner who, who will come into the stadium, wherever the Olympics are being held, you know, carrying the Olympic torch, and then they light this great big giant, like, bowl or whatever it is, and there's this huge, huge flame. Well, probably you know that you know, for months and months ahead of that time, the Olympic flame has been traveling to get to where the Olympics are. And back about, oh, I don't know, it's maybe about 22 years or so ago, we had the Summer Olympics here in the United States out on the West Coast. And they carried the Olympic torch all the way from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Now that took months for that to happen. And many different, you know, runners carried the Olympic torch. My my wife and I and our family, our, our two boys, we just so happened to be in the right place at the right time. 22 years ago, of all places, we were in Cleveland, Ohio. We were in a motel on the second floor. And we just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And we got to see them carrying the Olympic 
torch. They were headed for the west coast for the summer Olympics that were taking place that year. And we and from our window we could see the runner running. He's carrying the Olympic torch and he's, there's this entourage of police all around him. There were police in front of him. There were police behind him. There were police on each side of him, you know, to protect the Olympic flame as he was carrying it. I don't know how far he, he ran. I'm guessing maybe a few miles or something. And then he passed the flame off to the next person who would carry it until eventually it got all the way out to the west coast where the Olympics were being held. That's what Jesus is doing. He was the original flame, the original light, but now he is passing that off to you and to I for us to let our light burn brightly for Jesus. It is so vitally important that we do that, that we let our light shine for him. So, let me, let me just real quickly, let me recap what we've already talked about. The three things, three effects that happen when we let our light shine brightly for Jesus. Number one, when we do that, we stand out as Christians and the world notices. And number two, we expose the darkness. And number three, we bring honor and glory to God. Now, I want to close out uh, the sermon message this morning with an, an illustration that is one of my favorite stories to tell. You know, ministers, we have, we have lots of stories and lots of illustrations that we like to share when we give sermons. This is probably my all-time favorite one. I heard this years and years ago. Uh, I heard a minister tell this story and it just has really, it really touched my heart and it, and it stuck with me. And the, and the story that I heard goes like this. It goes all the way back. The story goes back to 1891. There was a man who was killed at a railroad crossing. Now back in 1891, which is over a hundred years ago, railroad crossings were not like railroad crossings are today. You know, today when we come to a railroad crossing, you've got red flashing lights, you've got bells going off, you've got these iron, you know, gates that come down, you know, to keep you off of the track. You know, we have a lot of safety features today that they did not have back in 1891. What they had back in 1891 was simply this. They had a man with a lantern. Now, this is, this is kind of a modern lantern. So pretend like this is an old lantern like back in 1891 they would have had. But they had a man who was called a watchman. And what he would do, he would take his lantern and he would wave his lantern and that's how they warned people that there was a train approaching. Now this man was hit by a train and he was killed. The family sued the railroad for negligence because he was killed. So it went to court, went to trial. Well, of course, the watchman was called to the witness stand and the prosecuting attorney began to question him. And the prosecuting attorney said, uh, Mr. Jarvis, 
Uh, you're the watchman for the railroad. Were you on duty when the accident occurred? And Mr. Jarvis said, uh, yeah, yes, sir, I was, I was on duty. And then the prosecuting attorney said, and did you have your warning lantern with you when the accident occurred? And Mr. Jarvis said, uh, yes, sir, I, I had my lantern with me. And then the prosecuting attorney said, and were you waving your lantern to try to warn the man who was struck and killed? And Mr. Jarvis said, yes, sir. I, I was on duty. I had my warning lantern and I waved it several times. Well, the court ruled that the railroad was innocent of any negligence and the lawsuit was dropped. A few weeks later, an official from the railroad came to see Mr. Jarvis. And he said, Mr. Jarvis, he said, on behalf of the railroad, I, I just wanted to come and thank you for your testimony. You saved the railroad from what could have been a terribly costly lawsuit. But I just have one question for you, Mr. Jarvis. He says, were you nervous when you were on the witness stand? And Mr. Jarvis said, oh yes, oh yes, I was really nervous. They asked me if I was on duty, and I said, yes, I was. They asked me if I had my warning lantern, and I said, yes, I did. They asked me if I was waving my warning lantern, and I said, yes, several times. But I was really nervous because there was one other question that I was afraid that they were going to ask me, but they didn't. They didn't ask me if the lantern was lit. You see, he was on duty. He had his lantern. He waved his lantern. But the lantern wasn't lit. And a man died because of that. You see, as Christians, Jesus has given us a lantern. Jesus wants us to be the light of the world. And if you are a Christian, you have a lantern. The thing is, it doesn't do any good unless it's lit. If your lantern isn't lit, if your light isn't shining, it's not doing anyone any good. Let me read just one last scripture to you. This is from the book of Psalms. I ran across this passage when I was working on the sermon. Psalm 18 verse 28, it just simply says... You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Is your light burning and shining for Jesus? Lives are at stake. Lives are on the line. 
heaven and hell hangs in the balance. Is your light shining for Christ?